1: Welcome to Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy. Before we go back to the normal weekly episodes in August, I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to be speaking with a different comedian. You can go to threadup.co.uk for our counselling professional partners. They're there to support you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can become a patron at patron.com/slash Nathan Cassidy. For as little as £5 a month, you get access to loads of bonus content, including the longer uncut version of this very episode, exclusive video and audio, plus free tickets to future live shows. Psychomedy.co.uk so for all the links. Your donations really help us out to keep this podcast going. Enjoy the show. Joining me today on Psycomedy, it's Joe Stapleton. Joe, hello.
2: Hey, what's up? Yes, that's what I'm used to. There it is. (laughs) Perfect.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sweet applause, Joe. Sweet applause. Welcome Deafening silence.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: get used to it, man. Get used to it. Um, (laughs) Not in your line of work, though. You you know, you're going to be fine. The poker business is going to be fine. Stand-up is fucked, but you're you're going to be fine. Anyway, yes. How are you? Are you looking well? Are you COVID-free?
2: I I don't know. I spend like a good three to four hours every day wondering if I have it. Just sort of laying on my back in the worst possible position because it makes it difficult for you to breathe going, I think I can can hear, is that a wheeze? And then I'll go, oh, there's the dry cough. That happens for like two to three hours every day.
1: Yeah.
2: That's just waking up, isn't it?
1: You know yeah i'm feeling more and more like that as time goes on i'm like are these stairs getting harder to climb
2: it's just like yeah yeah um, but it's hard to tell what is general malaise and what is actual <laughs> uh virus
1: yeah yeah but um you're pretty good though we spoke just before we started recording you you said you're pretty good i listened to you on a on a youtube thing a kind of question and answer thing a couple of months ago maybe and you were saying i'm living my best life what can i complain about so is that still the case
2: yeah it kind of is i um good for you joe good yeah for you. like i don't i i'm i'm reluctant to say it but at least it's honest as opposed to being like the virus has hit me really hard uh <laughs> you can donate to my patreon uh no like i i you know let's say again taking out everyone else's experiences because as comedians as performers we are uh somewhat um emotive people you know we do sort of take on the feelings of other people. So I feel awful about this, right? Like if I could choose for it to not be happening, of course, mm. I'd choose for it to not be happening, yeah. but the lockdown part of it, not difficult for me, but I'm in a great position in that I'm an indoor kid to begin with. Yeah. I like video games. I like movies. I got a girlfriend that I adore. We get along really well with, we have tons of fun every day. That's um, my work, uh, I've been fortunate enough to continue working throughout most of this. Yeah. Uh, so all of the like needs that a person could have are, are were met for me and I'm doing fine uh, yeah. so it, it, it's the, the worst part for me is the guilt of knowing that other people are not having such a good time with this also I feel guilty for the people like the guy that works on the telephone pole that's supposed to fucking go to work every day like everyone's just sitting at home watching from the front window with their arms crossed being like when are you gonna fix my internet mate, <laughs> and this guy has to like continue to work every single day. Yeah. Totally, so I do yeah. feel like shit for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. There's certainly more appreciation for jobs that we probably didn't appreciate before people on the checkouts in supermarkets oh, God, and yeah. just all these uh, type of people. Yeah. So for the few people that don't know, you are a uh, commentator of many years standing on, um, poker stars TV and lots of other places. Um, How's the poker business been in lockdown? I guess it's been booming, has it?
2: Once again, <laughs> uh, it should be no shock to anyone that um, poker has found a a rebirth in uh, quarantine land. In poker, online poker numbers are up now. Yeah. There's live poker, which has suffered quite a horrific death. Yeah. Uh, although it's starting to come back a little bit in the states. That's one thing I would not participate in at the moment. I would not go to a casino and play poker, but is Online starting to poker come back, starting to come back? Is Vegas starting to come back? or v- Vegas, not so much Vegas as uh, for poker, I should say. Yeah. But poker rooms around the country. Okay. You know, um, that apparently in this country, uh, science is different depending on what state you live in. <laughs> so if you live in Florida, for example, there's lots of poker you can go play. <laughs> Whereas if you live in California, there's only a few places you can go play. (laughs) And in Vegas, there's almost no poker at the moment. It's just, uh, one of the things is that poker doesn't make a lot of money for casinos. So if a casino is going to take a risk and have people, they would much rather open up the slot machines than the poker room. Yeah.
1: But you say numbers are up. and I mean, have they gone through the roof, the numbers playing poker online?
2: Yeah, I don't know exactly what they are, but I know that they're better than they have been in, in years yeah. yeah. Um, and cool. which is, uh, you know, obviously, look, I'm, I'm grateful for that being the case. I'm grateful that people are finding an outlet. Yeah, I'm grateful that, of course, it is beneficial to me personally. So I'm into that. I'm grateful for that. Uh, competition has started to spring up in the poker world. Also, I work for the number one online poker company in the world, and that's great. But there are some drawbacks to that. I think that competition is good. I think that the fact that now there are more people playing and there's more, there's a bigger piece of the pie for everybody to fight over is a good thing. So it means that my company does more broadcasting and uses me more often. uh, So that, you know, the whole marketing competition side of thing, I think is really good. And on a personal level, I've been playing a lot of poker via zoom, um, For for play money in the states, real money is not uh, not legal uh, to play online. But I've been playing with with a lot of people.
1: What you mean? What you mean? It's not legal.
2: Online poker in the United States for money is not legal uh, as as a as a country. It is legal in a few states: uh, Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, yeah, and West Virginia, I believe. But you have to play with only people in that state. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I cannot play on Poker Stars, okay. um, for like the way you can uh, playing against people from all over the world. Yeah. I can only play on Poker Stars New Jersey if I'm in New Jersey, or Poker Stars Pennsylvania if I'm in Pennsylvania. But yeah. you can play on Poker Stars uh, for play money for fake chips. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of that just for fun, just as a way to hang out with people over Zoom. And yeah. I've actually been connecting with a lot of people, writers, directors, comedians, folks that um, I would have never otherwise been able to interact with. Yeah. Like, I won't name drop people I have played with, but I will name drop someone I almost played with tonight. <laughs> David Cross ex- expressed some, uh, some interest in, playing oh, nice. in our little game tonight
1: oh great not gonna
2: make it but that's a guy that i'm like of course he can play holy shit yes yes david cross (laughs) can play in our game tonight um so that's been really fun it's been fun and interesting and not just name dropping people but i've gotten to know a lot of people that work in my in the the film and entertainment business who work in uh who are writers and who are directors and who are um, uh, visual effects artists and uh people who work in in wardrobe and various things like that folks that you know, if you had to get everyone in one place together, it would never happen. But yeah. because of the technology of Zoom and everything, we've really had some fun social uh, and got to know people that I would have never met before. Mm.
1: Well, I know you obviously from the UK, but it means I can hook up with you and, you know, doing stuff like this. There have been big advantages of uh, this lockdown. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love gambling. I don't, I don't play too much poker, as I say, but... Um, What's your game in
2: Vegas? Craps. I have a yeah. love-hate relationship with craps. Craps to me is always like when you're in high school and there's, you're at your table and everyone's like kind of miserable. And then you <laughs> yeah. look over at the <laughs> cool table and everyone's yeah. high-fiving each other, getting blowjobs in the parking lot, ordering <laughs> cocktails. Come on, we need... And you're at your table and everyone's like... Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm always at that table, so I don't do craps.
1: And you move to that hot table and suddenly, boof. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Suddenly they're like, oh, what the fuck are you doing here? Come on, guys, we're going back up to the suite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, I've had some good times on craps in Vegas and a few bad times, but you only remember the good times. That's the great thing about gambling. You only remember the good times. So, lots has been written about the psychology of um, poker. Um, You know, you play a lot of poker, as you say, as well as commentating on it. How big is psychology in poker? Is it as much as the luck of the cards or...?
2: It really depends on who you're playing against. If you are playing against the greatest players in the world, psychology is minimal. There's not a lot of psychology going on there. All of the great, almost all the greatest players in the world think very similarly. Mm. And the human aspects of their brains don't play into their decision-making all that much. They're like little computers. So psychology is not incredibly useful when playing against the best in the world. It will give you a maybe a slight insight, right? Like a 1% insight into what they're doing, but really most of the time it's knowing game theory, it's knowing statistics, it's knowing probability. Those are what it takes against the best players in the world. However, the best players in the world make up this tiny grain of sand of the population when really you're playing against the beach most of the time. <laughs> and so against the beach, against the world at large, Uh, psychology is hugely important right even online online it is a little bit right like it is a little bit of course um when you're playing with someone live there's a lot more psychology at play there's you know there's tells there's physical tells there's verbal tells there's but online you still get something called betting tells right you still get to analyze their behavior and being analytical right Being analytical, I guess psychology, again, it it doesn't, psychology of who the person is plays comes into play just a little bit online, right? There's a few assumptions you can make um, based on their screen name. Uh, Is this person, uh, you know, if if this person's name is Scarface4206969, you might be able to make a couple of small (laughs) inferences about what kind of person that is. Um, Now that could be a reverse.
1: What's a good screen name then if I
2: start playing? I mean, any screen name is a good screen name, as long as um, you don't fit the mold of what a person would think someone with that screen name would be, (laughs) if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, nice.
2: Um, You know, so it can be an ironic name, but, you know, so there's a little bit from that, but mostly what you're analyzing uh, when you're doing online poker is why why did this person behave this way right and obviously the cards they're holding is one reason why but there are bigger reasons why um how much money are we playing for how far if it's a tournament how far are we from the money okay so what happens in a poker tournament is if 100 people enter typically 80 people get eliminated when nothing and the top 20 makes some money so sometimes you get to go all right well we're one away from the money and this person just made a huge bet. Why would they do that unless they have a very good hand? The why is things you have to figure out. You have less information online as yeah. to the why, but it's still there. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice.
1: So, so the books on poker, you know, talk about being like self-motivated, positive, emotionally controlled. These are all the good things for poker. Calm under pressure this whole list probably relates to stand up as well i mean you do a lot of stand up comedy as well it's uh pretty similar in terms of psychology the self confidence and being focused you know how's um how much comedy were you doing just before lockdown
2: man, I was I was doing really well right before lockdown. I've, um, uh, I'm sure you know who he is, but some of your listeners might not. Norm McDonald is a guy that I got hooked up with, yeah. uh, through poker, and he turns out he was a fan, and he started having me open for him pretty regularly. Uh, over the last 18 months or so, and we had a bunch of gigs booked right before lockdown happened, so that was a bit of a bummer yeah I was just sort of getting to the point where I was doing the comedy store maybe once a month, not a regular or anything like that, but just you know i was i don't know if you know how the politics of the comedy store works in l a but I was getting to the point where they were asking me to come back to like the comics only bar after yeah. my shows, which is like a huge step um yeah. in your comedy career and i was I was just starting to get to the point where I felt like I had some respect. In the comedy community around town I had my own show in Vegas I was putting on once a month And I was booking and producing myself Which uh, as you know as someone Who books and produces shows That it sounds fucking great at first You're like <laughs> my own show Yeah hell yeah I'll do my own show And then every month for 29 days You're like I don't know how I'm going to fucking fill these seats <laughs> yeah. So the, the stress of it Was more than I was expecting Yeah But
1: I heard you on the on that uh, live YouTube as well a couple of months ago, being being quite pessimistic about live comedy. You, I mean, this was a couple of months ago, but you were saying I don't know if it's ever going to come back. I'm like, whoa, that is. I mean, it is coming back to a certain extent. Again, Erica Rhodes is playing clubs in um, Minnesota this 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 week, as she said earlier this week on the podcast, and uh, but to distanced audience uh, are you still pessimistic that it's going to come back anytime soon in a real way
2: i, I am pessimistic I, yeah. um and it doesn't mean i'm rooting for it to not come back because obviously <laughs> i want it to come back in full force uh, i'm pessimistic we don't know yet what's going to happen i i feel like again no judgment for folks out there doing whatever they're doing but it kind of seems like first for a while we pretend the virus wasn't happening And then we pretended like the virus was over, even though we didn't really do anything. So I'm afraid, and I would love to be wrong, but I'm afraid that we may be able to trace three weeks from now, 15 people at Ha Ha Comedy Hall in Minneapolis uh, coming down with the COVID-19 virus because of that. And I think it's going to put everything to a screeching halt again. Um, I would love to be wrong. I would love for that to be not the case, everyone goes, yeah, like a couple people get sick here and there, and that's our new way of life, and the social distancing is working as long as we uh, keep things open, that would be great. I think we're jumping the gun, but there's no way to find out until you do it, right? So we'll see what happens, but I'm no more um, I'm no more optimistic now than I was before, because we just don't know yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you're lucky having those dual aspects of your career then you know the poker the the poker and the comedy i mean if um if it if it never came back you know if there was a another virus next year and because that's what i fear there's gonna be another virus next year or you know this one will carry on then there'll be something else next year and then it really will die our theatres and clubs will just close more than they're doing so already in terms of your kind of psychology and happiness is is comedy something that you could you know miss like like nothing else? Or would the poker keep you going to a certain extent? Or
2: It's weird because I poker was first for me. And part of the reason why I didn't have to struggle as much as other people did in comedy was because I got to sh- rock up to open mics. And I didn't really start doing it seriously till I moved to London. I got to rock up to open mics with the confidence of already being a television presenter mm. uh, which was Intangible, but then the actual genuine tangible part of occasionally a booker would go, I know you from the telly, you don't have to do this open mic night. Well, well let me put you on a booked open mic night. And so I got to skip a couple of rungs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not a ton, but just like the really awful parts that where most of the people get weeded out, I didn't have to do weeded out, I didn't have to do as much of that as other people did and I've always been yeah. really grateful for that so but in my mind I was always like oh poker is like just just like an ex. like look I want to be on you guys I love the way you have it over there by the way so many great uh late night chat shows and or I forget news what do you guys call them the ones where like um where everyone like bats around the news stories
1: yeah yeah like uh, panel shows
2: panel shows right like yeah. panel shows that's like my dream to do panel shows, host a panel show, right? Okay. And I always told myself when I got on poker, I was like, look, dude, you're not on a panel show, but you're on television, it's late at night, and you get to make jokes. In the grand spectrum of the universe, what you're doing is, like, pretty close. Like, Mm. pretty close to that. So I had a taste of what it was like to actually be a semi-successful comedian, right? Like, getting there, performing to big crowds, getting paid Uh, actual money to do things and I loved it and I will absolutely go back to that if I can but what one thing that COVID has taught me is to be happy with what I have yeah and so if comedy never comes back again I'm so fucking lucky
1: yeah I'm
2: so fucking lucky that poker this thing that would be a lot of other people's dream job is my backup plan and I still have that yeah yeah yeah, and you have a lot, but I think it's really important for mental health that gratitude.
1: That's what a lot of people talk about for mental health. What have I got? What have I got? What can? What am I happy about right now? Because we're always yeah. we're always looking to the next level rather than rather than what we've... Yeah, this this uh, really put that
2: in perspective for me, me being like somewhat unhappy and feeling like I'm kind of like, you know, treading water with my career. And when is the next thing going to happen? I went from that one day to mm. the next day being like, oh, thank fucking God, like I can pay my rent this month. And you know what? If this is the rest of my life, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. And you've got a lot,
1: but it still must have been a hit, you know, opening for Norm and making those strides in the comedy store, which is so hard to do. It's a, it's a, it's a mental health hit, isn't it? But you have to work on your mind. You have to say, no, I'm lucky. Gratitude, you know, to pull you back from those moments.
2: The thing that wasn't made it a little bit less of a hit was that I knew it was happening to everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. It feels, sometimes it feels like it's not right. When you're stuck at home in your mind, it feels like, oh, but my competition are probably doing better than me somehow. They're Mm -hmm. probably not, but everyone got frozen in place. Uh, so now that uh folks like erica for example right who are at least a couple of rungs above me when i hear them going out on the road and getting spots now now it starts to weigh on me a little bit i'm like oh like <laughs> oh sorry man that was my fault then <laughs> no but it's fine that's reality right but now that yeah. i know that other people are getting out there now i have a choice too right see before i didn't have a choice there was no there were no options yeah, for comedians but now there are options and the options are do you go against – do I behave hypocritically and go out and get myself into situations that I don't think are particularly safe because I don't want to lose a step, because yeah. I don't want to be behind everybody else? And that also puts me ahead of the comedians um, who are feel more strongly than I do and who will definitely not take those chances. Do I roll the dice and put myself out there as – Like, for example, I was supposed to play the Hard Rock in Florida, the big new guitar hotel uh, that they just opened. They were going to give me a headline night on a Mm -hmm. night when there was a poker tournament happening, knowing that there's a very good chance I was going to be able to maybe not sell out, but put some butts in chairs for that show. And now I kind of am dreading. Getting the email from them, I don't think I will get it because I think there's plenty of other big acts now that they can bring in and fill the place uh, who are desperate for spots. But if they called me and said, Hey, we want to set a date for you to come back and do that again, I'm like, Fuck, I don't know. I don't know Mm. what I would say. I don't, I honestly don't know. Like in my heart, I think it's dangerous, Uh, not just for me, but for others. But in my cock, I want to take a fucking headline gig at the (laughs) Hard Rock in Florida. I, I want to see my name on that flyer. I want to see my name on that marquee. And that's, that's an interesting dilemma for me because at that point I can retroactively decide and go, oh, all these other people, think like it's fine. Maybe you're just being overly cautious. Isn't it weird, speaking of psychology, isn't it weird how when it's something that you don't want to do, how much easier it is to not do that thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Like, if 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 all we had to do to kill coronavirus would have been, don't go to church, <laughs> that would have been very easy for me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right? But if I'm a super religious person, it might be like, well, maybe church isn't so bad. You, then you, that's when you start to cherry pick the information, right? Yeah, yeah. The information you want to believe. Well, apparently you can't really transmit it if you're asymptomatic. <laughs> and apparently it doesn't really happen on surfaces, you know, as much as I thought it was. That's when we get into some dangerous territory. But I will say, I don't fault people who are in desperate situations who do change their opinions based on that, because that's being a human being. Yeah, but it's not sometimes desperation. It's as you say, it's it's something in a comedian's
1: mind, you know, opening for Norm Macdonald, this is what you want to do. This is how you're wired potentially to be a comedian. And when those opportunities come up, it's going to be very difficult to turn those things down because as a comedian, it's like, yes, I mean, you talked about the cock, but I'm sure it's more the head, you know, <laughs> particularly you're nice and happy with sure. your girlfriend. It's the head. It's like, it's, this is why I'm- It's the ego. I'm,
2: That's why I said cock. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, totally. <laughs> but this is why I'm kind of- I don't know, I'm putting words into your mouth, but for me, it's like, this is what drives me. This is yeah, kind of, I want to make my mark on the world through stand-up, and if there's risks out there, that
2: will probably take me over the edge into doing stuff, you know? Of course, and, yeah. and that's what makes this entire um, game that we're playing, this morality game of COVID so interesting and in that <laughs> if it truly were a disease that only affected us as the individual that puts a whole new paint job on things, right? Like if I was only risking my life, but if I go and do that gig and pick it up there and then give it to every person on the plane coming home and then come and give it to my girlfriend and she gives it to her, like, those are things that morally, I, it it doesn't sit very well with me. It's a, it's a, it's a very strange dilemma that everyone's being faced with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. Well, Your stand up's great, man. So I hope uh, I hope you come back uh, soon. I mean you, you were great years ago, even yeah, in the UK when you were really
2: just early doors in the, the career. As you say,
1: coming from TV gives you that That's very kind. I appreciate it stuff. because
2: you you know what, honestly, I've you've always been one of my favorite London comedians and so that's nice of you to say I, I do appreciate a lot. Oh, thanks um, so much, man. Yeah, I you, looking- you come across as a, you're just a comic. Like there are a lot of people trying to be comics. And for as long as I've known you, I was like, oh, this guy, like, knows what he's doing. And nobody knows what they're doing, but you seem like it. <laughs> oh,
1: thanks so much, man. That, that that means a lot. That means a lot. I mean, yeah, I was, I was reminding myself of some of those. You, you pinned a tweet, actually, with... Um, something like from four years ago. And uh, you put on the tweet, oh, I've improved a lot since then. But you know, you were clearly very, very good then as well. But what was great about that was, and that's why you pinned it, I guess, you were predicting coronavirus with Trump. And uh, that was amazing. That was just like, you predicted Trump was going to kill a lot of people with the cold or
2: coronavirus. Yeah. It was so weird because that line I ad-libbed in the moment and it's not <laughs> a very funny line. And I kind of bail out on it halfway through because I don't know if you, you do this when you're doing comedy, but like, Sometimes you'll make a joke and, you're, and you're, you'll have this conversation in your head where time stops and you go, we didn't agree we were going to make this joke. <laughs> I know, but it felt right in the moment. Yeah, but it's not really a joke. Why did you say it? It felt right. Well, we should have written it out. Yeah. That's kind of what I went through when I said that. And, it, and that joke is part of the reason why I never published that set before because it's just kind of like a meandering moment yeah. where I, I don't really get a laugh but then I went I accidentally rewatched it and I was like holy shit <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. said Trump's gonna kill us all with the common cold <laughs> Yeah
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah it was a new material night
1: so yeah obviously it was a bit you know you were you were working on bits and stuff but my goodness how that's the most prescient bit of stand up there's ever been you know so, so ridiculous uh, <laughs> that was amazing that's amazing so um yeah maybe just briefly can we touch upon the, the huge amount in the UK in the certainly internally in the comedy industry uh with me too um coming back uh, this week yeah
2: well chris chris is part of my chris outer dealing. outer circle so
1: oh okay yeah 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 um even people joking about chris is getting people cancelled over here just for a time it's just like People are very, yeah, it's, um, and I, I, was, I, I don't know whether you know, but the, the Joe Rogan clip with, um, Joey Diaz came back and that was yeah. resurfacing. Um, what's your experience in LA? Cause I've been to the, the LA comedy store once and, uh, yeah, didn't hang out in the comedians bar or anything, but, um, what's your general experience of, um, that and maybe any differences between the, the States and the UK in terms of how people are treated?
2: Sure. Well, as far as the Chris situation is concerned, Chris had behaved that way toward a couple of my girlfriends who were perfectly of legal age, and um, you know, and didn't do anything that should, I think, anyone should necessarily lose their life or career or freedom over. But it made me not like him, mm. and so I had many opportunities to be a part of whatever was going on where Chris and his buddies were a part of it, and I declined most of the time. I'm a little bit angry with some of my friends who knew that I wasn't hanging with him for those reasons, um, and didn't care because he was famous. Didn't care because being friends with Chris D'Elia is good for your comedy career. Right. Uh, I never liked it, and now so you were trying to persuade those friends were you not to hang with him. I them didn't. Per- I didn't try to persuade them. All I said was, "Oh, Chris is going to be there. He treated a couple of my girlfriends like garbage." Okay. I don't want to be around him yeah. and they were like, and again, it's hard to expect people to stand up for something they're hearing like second or third hand. So, yeah. um, but I was just like, if Chris were not a famous comedian, he would have been outed a long time ago. Um, he would, ha- he would already be an outcast. He would already not have gigs. I yeah. just think it's kind of gross the way we excuse things For people who are famous and people who can do Things for us Uh, People that are beneficial for us to know So I'm more mad at the comedy community For the people who knew And still kissed his butt anyway Um, So I don't really My opinion on Chris hasn't changed I feel the exact same way about him That I did before I'm like yeah no I know he acts like this Um, As far as cancellation In general is concerned I genuinely think that cancellation is vigilante justice and vigilante justice is often very gratifying right and they often get it right and they sometimes get it wrong and they sometimes ruin people's lives and vigilante justice exists when there is a vacuum of actual justice right? If if the, if the actual people who are supposed to be protecting us and doing what's right are doing it, there's no need for vigilante justice. So I think that cancel culture is a direct response to Donald Trump, is a direct response to Boris Johnson. It is people who feel as if justice is not being served. We can't get Donald Trump despite the fact that he is a rapist and very likely guilty of genocide and racist and all of these other things. He's one of the worst people in the planet and he is untouchable. Nothing he does ever, ever does he face repercussions for. So what do we do? We go out and we get that guy and we're going to get that guy and we're going to get that guy and we're going to get you because we can't get him. And I'm not, I do not, I don't think that cancel culture is as big a problem as people make it out to be. Do some, is it a problem sometimes? Yes. Uh, I think it's doing far more good than it is evil at the moment. Um, I, I especially when it comes to comedians, I can't yeah. think of a comedian who has been canceled because of something he did in his act. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Even the guys who tell the worst rape jokes and, and race jokes in their acts, they're not canceled. They may not get booked that much because people just don't want to hear that shit right now. Yeah. But they're not canceled. It's the people are getting canceled for being pieces of shit off stage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But what you said about vigilante justice is great. You know, that's exactly it, isn't it? And, uh, you know, a, a, a lack of formal justice creates that vigilante justice at any level. So in the comedy community that's being improved upon in the UK, I don't know whether any moves, uh, there to improve things in the U.S. in terms of, you know, a proper kind of reporting mechanism, maybe a kind of arbitration and all this kind of thing where there's a proper justice. Because if you go the other way, if you go vigilante justice, as you say, probably 90% is, is good. But then there's those 10 cases where mistakes are made and people are pathological liars on the comedy, in the comedy industry yeah, as and well. Look, and,
2: you can, and, and, and the, and the, the, the crowd, the, uh, the, the mob, the angry mob, does develop a bloodlust, right? Yeah, Does develop yeah, a bloodlust We're like take this guy down And take this guy down This guy yeah. We're taking you down too You know it, There's <laughs> yeah. always like They come in threes Where like the third guy Is kind of like Oh this is a little bit More of a gray area <laughs> yeah. um, I, As far as I know There's nothing Organized or formal uh, Happening in the states To help prevent These sorts of things From happening yeah. uh, Either from the vigilante justice or, or actually taking down The bad guys At the moment it appears as if this is all we have. Vigilante justice, you mean? Yeah, I don't, yeah. like, I, there is no governing body of comedy. No. There is no, you know, there there are a couple of gatekeepers, yeah. um, the two biggest being Mitzi Short, uh, Mitzi passed away, uh, and then there's Jamie Masada who runs the Laugh Factory. Those are like, you know, there's a couple of the big clubs in New York, but, you know, it's, these folks, they don't really get involved in no. what's happening in politics, and now they have these awful decisions of, I've been friends with Chris D'Elia for 20 years. He's put lots of butts in seats. Do I, do I satiate the angry mob? Do I um, continue to let someone who's probably a piece of shit uh, continue to grace my stage, knowing that it will also hurt me financially? Uh, these people are are in bad, bad situations. My only hope, and I, I'm a pretty big asshole on social media myself for outing people for doing things that I think are shit behaviors I can only hope part of the reason I do it is that we just have fewer people behaving like this in the first place that seeing what happens seeing what is considered acceptable behavior and unacceptable behavior people go oh that's a piece of shit thing to do I don't want to get dragged I'm not going to be a piece of shit
1: yeah yeah no absolutely I think it's going to improve a lot and as I say in the UK there are slight moves to put something more formal in place and I think that's what's needed to make a difference long after the hashtags go away I mean we see that with any hashtags I mean like Black Lives Matter you know everyone was talking about that two weeks ago with George Floyd and um, and unfortunately, you know, one of the placards that was put up at one of the rallies there was, will you still care about me when the hashtag stop trending? And that's the point, isn't it? It's uh, caring about these things when it stops trending, you know?
2: Yeah, as people that these issues don't really affect, right? Yeah. I'm not affected by police brutality. I'm not affected by sexual harassment. It's very easy to go on about your business and go, I'm fucking tired, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I just need a break from it all. And lots of people don't get a break from it. Lots of people don't. So I'm happy to see that we're um, fighting the fight for longer than we ever have before. And the coincidence of it being during a lockdown where all the woke social justice warriors in the world have jobs that they don't have to be at right now (laughs) because they're either working from home or they're laid off or they're furloughed. This was a bad time to be a bad guy because people got nothing better to do but yeah. to tear down statues.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
2: Man, thanks so much for
1: for joining me. It's so good to see you in such, seemingly such a good place mentally and um, a good place physically behind you as well. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Such a good place. you got a good apartment there. But a good place mentally, man. You, you, you just sound like you're, you know, you, you, would you say you're more sorted than you – than you've been in it ever been
2: or Yeah. I yeah. I don't like again, I wouldn't want to brag about it, but no, it's great, um, man. It's great. My my relationship is good. My girlfriend and I have fallen even more deeply in love than before Amazing. uh lockdown started. Uh we I've got that going for me. I've had steady work. I've had you know, stand-up is the one area where things um are obviously lacking, but stand-up was always the bonus, the cherry on top anyway. Yeah. So especially comparatively speaking to where things could be Um, yeah, other than the fact that I've probably put on, uh, you know, 10 kilos or whatever you guys, I don't know how many stone that is, at least a stone. Um, you know, other than that, it's, it's, I've been very, very lucky. I've always been lucky in my life, terribly unlucky at cards. I always say this, I'm incredibly unlucky at poker, but I run so good at life and I'm so grateful and so lucky that things, uh, have at. Have just plateaued for me during all of this. There hasn't been a dip at all, and I'm incredibly, incredibly lucky for that. Oh, that's great, man. That's great. As you say, gratitude,
1: being grateful—it's, uh, it's the key. It's the key. Uh, thank you so much, Joe. You're, you're awesome. Any other messages before we close for the world? You know, people can check you out, obviously online and sure, yeah, um, on Twitter and um, anything else you want to report before we close?
2: At stapes on Twitter and Poker Stars and myself are uh, are doing a twenty-three day long online poker broadcast. If you guys like yeah, poker, so if you just want to yeah. come hang out for a little bit, there's a big event called the Stadium Series yeah. that's gonna be on Poker Stars. It starts July 5th, and we're gonna be broadcasting July 14th to August 4th every single day during that period, following all the action. Uh, there's $50 million in guarantees in these tournaments. So over $50 million will be won by various players on poker stars during that time. You can check all of that out at twitch.tv slash PokerStars. And if you follow me on Twitter at Stapes or at InstaStapes on Instagram is you can follow, you can get any of those details. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. I will check it out. Joe, you're a
1: lovely guy. You're an amazing comic. You're a great commentator. You're just beautiful all round. Thank you so much for joining me on Psychomedy so today.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Lots of love to you.
1: Keep well. The absolutely brilliant Joe Stapleton there. And you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy for the full uncut video of that conversation with Joe. So that was our show for today. Join us again on Thursday for more Psycomedy Daily Dose. There are just two more episodes this Thursday and this Saturday before we revert back to the weekly shows. So we've got some best ofs during July. And then we revert back to the normal Psycomedy shows on Friday, August the 7th. Please give us a five-star review and Psycomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pod People Productions. Check out Psychomedy.co.uk for mental health tips from our counselling partner professionals at ThreadUp, who are also offering free check-ins at this time. I'm Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy, stay optimistic. Tune back in for more Psycomedy Daily Dose
0: on Thursday. Pod People. They're the centre of attention, they exude confidence and they own the room on the outside, but on the inside, they're screaming, I don't belong here. Social anxiety syndrome, better known as imposter syndrome, is a real thing and you'll be amazed at who has been affected by it. I'm Nick Eed, host of Imposter Syndrome, the new podcast from Pod People Productions. I'll be looking at this phenomenon and speaking to some of the most successful and talented people in the public eye, such as Patsy Palmer, A.R. Booker, Gail Porter, Camilla Dallarup, and Andrea McLean. When I first started doing Loose Women, I turned it down at first because I didn't think I could do it. Why can't we accept our successes? What makes us doubt our achievements? And how do you overcome it? That's In Podster Syndrome with me, Nick Ead, who should totally be hosting a podcast, of course. The new show from Pod People Productions coming soon to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows.